0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Saturday the 20th of February 2016, entitled How to Love. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 9. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. I want you to look at the first two verses, but that's not where we'll park. We will park in another verse, but let's look at Romans chapter 12, Verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go down to verse number 9, all right? You know, how-to books are some of the most bestsellers. Anybody that buys a book that says how to, you know, build a birdhouse, how to lose weight, amen? How to, uh, how-to books are bestsellers. They just are because people want to be informed. But I hope this morning you'll be inspired, not just informed, okay? So I want you to look at what the Scripture says. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, brethren, therefore I beseech you, By the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. By the way, young people, anybody that tells you that anything else other than this is acceptable is lying to you. God expects you to give your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Anything else is unreasonable. Okay? And then he makes a statement, And be not conformed to the world... But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the word conform means to be shaped with. It means to don't be shaped by the world, but be transformed by the way you think. Amen? The problem is that some of us in this room need to check up from the neck up. Be honest with you. Because the reason why some of you feel unloved and feel unworthy is because you don't think properly. By the way, I've heard a lot of people make this statement, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Y'all ever heard that? Amen. Can I explain something? That's not who you are. That's how you got saved. Can I tell you who you are? The Bible says you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You're a saint of God. You're the salt of the earth. You're a soldier of the cross. The way you got saved was you're a sinner saved by grace. Who you are is not that. Okay? When you change your thinking, okay, some of y'all got stinking thinking. You need to change your thinking. And the Bible says that you don't be conformed by the world or be changed or shaped by the world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you make evident of that perfect, listen, acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, God don't want anything less than the best for you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. What are they? Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a what? A future, to give you an expected end. So God wants the very best for you. Amen? He wants the very best for you. And so what I want to try to do this morning is I want you to jump down to verse 9. Now, in context, Paul tells the church, I want you to present your body... You Roman believers, I want you to present your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and don't be shaped by the world, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, how do you do that? Well, I think it's all summed up in verses 9 and 10. Look at it. Paul makes this statement later on. Now, he goes down through Romans 12, and he talks about the gifts that God's given you. And by the way, every single one of you in this room, if you want to read verses 3 through 8, you can do that later. But I'll, 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 I'll expect y'all, if you read it, to understand this, that every single one of you under the sign of my voice this morning have at least one of the seven gifts that's mentioned in Romans chapter 12. At least one. You may have all of them. You may have more than one, but you've got at least one of them. You may have the gift of ministry. You may have the gift of exhortation. You may have the gift of teaching. You may have the gift of giving. Whatever it is, God's given you a gift. Now use it. Amen? Then he makes his statement. Let your love be without dissimulation. That's a real highfalutin English word, isn't it? Dissimulation. What does that mean? It's another word for hypocrisy. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Can I explain something this morning? And this session is basically on a very simple premise. How to love biblically. How do you love biblically? Paul gives us a very simple template. He says, number one, let your love be without what? Dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Can I explain something, young people? You know what God wants us to be? I want all of y'all to look at me. Now, I'm not going to preach to you for the next hour and 24 minutes. No, I'm just playing. Anyway, we've got to get to the city center. I'm not going to preach to you for the next 20 minutes. I want to talk to you. You know what God wants? God wants for, for once, maybe, and, 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 and I mean this because I see it so many times, people that are fake, you know what God wants us to be, especially when it comes to our love? He wants us to be real. You know, I don't know, I don't know how it is here, but I do know I've been to Costco enough to know that they got a greeter. They got somebody that stands at the door. Hello, how are you? They could care less how you're doing. <laughs> We've got a place called Walmart in America. Walmart. It, it literally is linked to Costco in a way. But, 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 but Walmart has a greeter who wears a blue vest. And they stand there and their their job is, and they've got two gifts, they're two G's. They grip and they grin, amen? They're good sh- handshakers and they're good grinners. Now, they'll ask you when you come in the door, hey, glad to have you. You know what they're saying? We want you to spend more money today with us. They're not your friend. They don't even know you. And after they get through shaking your hand, they don't even know who you are. And you know what the problem is, pastor, is we've got that same philosophy now in the church. We get greeters at the front door. Hey, how are you? And you know, what? we can do it, boy. Son, I'm telling you, God's people can do it, can't we? Hey, good to see you this morning. God bless you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we can say all the buzzwords. We can give all the phrases and know how to speak the language. Amen. Christianese. Amen. We speak Christianese. We drive Christian cars. We got Christian carpet. We play Christian instruments. We sing Christian songs. We got a Christian puppy. And we're about like a bunch of Christian robots and we're fake. And you know what's happened is it's affected our love toward one another. We're almost like those greeters in Costco or Walmart. Hey, how are you this morning? And walk away and good care. I hate that guy. You, ever, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who like, that's the rottenest guy I know, and sit there and say, hey, I love you, brother. That guy's the rottenest guy I've ever met in my life. You know? And you know what the Bible says? He says, I want to make sure if you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, if you're going to be that one that presents your body a living sacrifice, let your love be real. I tell my people this. And I mean this. There's a whole lot greater pastors. Matter of fact, I, I serve under one when I come here. He's a great pastor. He, listen, the world don't need no more good ones. We need some great ones. He's a great pastor. There's a whole lot greater pastors out there than I am where I live. And I tell my people that. I said, but you'll never leave this church. And by the way, let me explain some to you ministers. Some of you that are going into ministry. Let me explain something about a pastor. I don't care, Jay, if a person leaves because they're going to take another job in another city or another country or they're leave mad the pastor always takes it personal because we care about sheep. Always. Well, preacher, don't take it personal. You might as well tie my hands behind my back, take me out in the parking lot, and kick me in the teeth and say, that it's not personal. It hurts. And you know what else I figured out about the ministry, Nathan? My wife's the most loneliest person in my church. You ladies that are going to be pastor's wives, You better be ready because it's going to be a lonely place because you never do enough right. You'll either do too much, you won't do enough, you ain't got no friends and everything. The pastor knows about everybody. He comes home and just like a dump truck right on his wife and she can't say nothing to nobody. You say, why would you say that? Because you know what? The problem is in the church today is we don't love the way we ought to love. I don't know what y'all. I've checked my fly to see if it was undone. Y'all over here laugh. I'm like, Yeah, I've done that before. I was preaching one time. My zipper's undone, undone and I'm up there preaching for 20 minutes, you know, not even going... you know. My wife says, zip it up. She got a little card, zip it up, Brian. I thought she meant I thought she meant shut up, you know, like it's time to cut it off. And I went, some of y'all want me to zip it up, but I ain't gonna do it, amen. I'm gonna keep preaching. She said, Your fly's undone, amen. That's true love. Amen. When you love your husband after he's preached for 20 minutes with his flying done, that's true love. Amen. But let me explain something. Let me explain something. It's time for us to be real because I'm going to tell you right now, and you men that are in the ministry know this. When people are coming to a church, when they come to your church, they're looking for two things. When a person comes through the doors of this church, they're looking for two things. Number one, they're looking for life and they're looking for love. And when they don't find the genuine, they'll run to the artificial every time. They'll run to the fake every time. The smoke and mirror shows. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I felt good when I left there. I don't care how you feel. I want you to base your faith on what God said, not on how you feel. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Once you base your faith on what God said, it'll change your feelings. It'll make you feel better. But you can't base your faith on just how you feel. Because on Monday morning, I don't feel saved all the time. As a pastor. Somebody asked me one time how you know you're married. Do you know it because you feel married? No. I'll be honest, sometimes I don't even know what it feels like to be married, but I know I've got the evidence that I'm married. I've got a ring. I've got a wife standing beside of me. I've got two children to prove it. Amen. And I got a piece of paper from a licensed ordained minister that said, I married you. I got proof. You know what the Bible says? I want you to make sure your love's real. Don't be a fake. When people come into your presence, make sure they get genuine life and genuine love. And I've told my people this. You'll find a whole lot greater pastors, but I hope and pray you understand this. You'll never have one that loves you as much as I do. I want my people to know that. They may get better theological teaching. They may get a better orator. They may get somebody that can speak proper English and not American. But they'll never get a pastor to love them as much as I do. I want to love my people to bits. That's as English as I can get, guys. Pray for me, all right? I want to love them to bits. How do you love? Well, he says, let your love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Number one, let write these things down. This is just simple stuff. Number one, I'm just a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Amen. I just meet and taters. We say taters. We don't say tom- tomatoes. I say maters. That's what we say. We call tomatoes or tomatoes maters in North Carolina. We just shorten everything. Amen. Maters, taters, nanners, bananas. Amen. That's what we do. Y'all pray for us. We're just a weird lot. Amen. Thank you. I wish y'all could come with me to my country. Really. I wish you could come. And I could show you off to my people. Because my people, some of my people, Pastor Tim, they, the, they ain't even been out of the state of North Carolina. They have no idea, no concept of what mission work and ministry is really about because they're so confined to their own little world. Don't let, don't let yourself be limited. Nathan's dad taught me something one time. Dave Kissler, who was here, taught me this. If you'll narrow your objective, God will broaden your horizon. If you focus on what God has for you to do, He'll open up windows of heaven and shower out a blessing that you won't even be able to contain it. He'll pack the cone of your life, amen, to where it'll crack. So, how do you love meat and potatoes? Number one, be genuine, be the real deal, be what you're presenting. Don't be one of those greeters like it at Walmart. How are you? They all, You know how it's translated? I could care less. That's, that's what that's translated. I don't even know who you are. Go spend money. That's what it's saying. So be genuine. I want you to turn to James chapter 1 and verse 27 very quickly. I've got to move quick, man. I tell you that clock. Are you sure that thing's on like a 30-second minute instead of a 60-second minute? Anyway, James chapter number one, look at verse 27. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Do you want to keep worldly things away from you? I'm not saying you're not going to live in the world, but don't be of it. Don't be conformed by the world. Don't be shaped by it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Well, you love right. Be genuine in your love. I know y'all know the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You know? 1 Corinthians 13. Let me turn there and let me read something to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to turn there with me, I'm gonna read the first couple of verses. I want you to look at what it says. It says in chapter number 13: Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And have not love. I am become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. You say, preacher, does that mean that if I don't, if I might be a great preacher, I might be a great singer, but if I don't do it with love, it's just like me making a bunch of noise with pot and pans? That's not what it means. Did you know in those days when Paul wrote this, the pagans would sacrifice their children to their gods in fire. They would literally burn their kids as sacrifices to their pagan gods. And while they did that, Dan, they would take their symbols and beat them together to cover up the cries of their children in pagan worship. And the God of heaven spoke to Paul and said, you tell the people, if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, all you're doing is covering up your, just like the pagan worshipers did. See, I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how good you preach. If you don't love people, and let me tell you something, guys and girls, young ladies going back to your, to your cities, if you don't love, by the way, you know what I found out, your generation, your contemporaries about your age? You know what? I can fool. If, if I really want to, I can fool the older crowd. I can fool little bitty, little bitty kids, but you know what? There's a group of people that you can't fool if you love them or not, and that's your generation. You can't fool young people. They know whether you love them or not. And how do you know you love somebody? Well, you got to be genuine. You better have life, and you better have love. And if it ain't genuine, you know what what people are going to do? They'll run to the false and the pseudo and the fake every single time. That's why we got so many young ladies and so many young men who are heartbroken, and they don't know what a real relationship is because they've gone out, and like I said last night, they've looked for love in all the wrong places. Doesn't mean God ain't done with them. Doesn't mean that God don't love them. By the way, let me ask you a question. If you're going to be genuine in your love, you've also got to be guarded in your love. If your love is going to be the kind of love like God wants us to demonstrate to people, number one, it's got to be genuine. Number two, it's got to be guarded. Look at the next part of verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation or be without hypocrisy. Don't be somebody that's got a mask on. Amen. You ever seen... they, They one way on Sunday morning, brother, and on Tuesday afternoon, they're a totally different person. Huh? I was with a guy one time. We were driving down the road. He's one of them, but he'll just, I mean, you've got to let him calm down in the service. I've literally been preaching and that guy just have a fit. Be shouting and screaming and I t- praise God. I mean, that's the way he did. Hallelujah. Just scare you to death. You know, you'd be sitting in front of him. You'd be like, what in the world are you doing, man? You scare me to death. And I was with him going to, a, going to a Lowe's hardware store, just like a you know, home base or whatever here. But I was going to Lowe's hardware store with him, and a guy cut him off. And I'm going to tell you right now, he shouted some expletives at that guy in the other car, just like he shouted on Sunday morning, just as loud. But it was wicked and detestable what he said. And then he went, oh, I'm sorry, preacher. I said, don't apologize to me. You better apologize to him. See, don't. Don't be one of them Christians that shouts on Sunday and then live a different way on Monday. Okay? But in order to do that and have the right love, you've got to be real. You've got to be genuine. But number two, you've got to be guarded. Say, so what do you got to guard against? If I'm going to have true agape love, if I'm going to love biblically, how do I do that? Well, number one, be genuine, be real. Number two, be guarded. What do you got to guard against? Well, number one, you've got to guard against bigness. You say bigness, what's that mean? Pride. Pride. Let me say it again if you didn't hear me. Pride. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. The first one is a proud look. Proverbs 16 Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen? Pride made a devil out of an angel. And I don't care how angelic you think you are. If you're full of pride, it's going to come. You're going to fall. And the devil, let me tell you something. If the devil, if God lost a third of the angels, why we get mad, Pastor, when some of our people leave? If God couldn't keep them. God, Listen, the devil took a third of the angels out of heaven when he fell in his pride. Huh? You know what I do? It's what I do some morning. I'm just confessing. All right, I say confession is good for the soul. Then you know what I do some, some 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 Mondays and Tuesdays. I get online. I look at these churches around our area. Our church runs about sixty people. Okay, but we've got a church that meets in a school building, in an auditorium of a school building. They got more handshakers, and we got people. And you know what? I'll get online. I'll go, Lord, why are you? They got a. They're in an auditorium. We got a church building, and I can't get people to come. And he says, Brian, why are you trying to equate yourself with them? The Bible says if you compare yourself to yourselves, you're unwise. You just, be, you just be God's lady. You be God's young lady. You be God's man. You be who God made you to be. Don't try to compare yourself with somebody else. Yeah, you're the composite of the influences of a lot of people in your life, but be who God made you to be. Be genuine. Be guarded. Guard against bigness. Guard against pride. Young people, I'll tell you what will make you stop loving people is when you get proud and arrogant and say, you know what? I and I've done this before. I can't believe they won't come to church. They'll go to the ball game last night, but they won't even come to church instead of just loving them. Yeah, I've done it. And if you're not careful, you'll do it too. But you've got to love people. Be genuine, be guarded. Guard against what? Number one, bigness. Number two, you better guard against busyness. Write them down now. If you're gonna love right, you better guard your love from pride, bigness, and number two, busyness. We're so busy, aren't we? Well, we're we're so important, aren't we? Oh, I've got three cell phones. <laughs> Big rip. Amen. Who cares? I've got so many tasks I've got to do with my place of employment. Whatever. We get so busy. Some of you that are new probably don't know this. A lot of you do, but back in 2011, what was really special last night is I sang over there with my friend Nathan, and the last time me and my son sang was right there. It's the last time we sang together, Pastor, was right there. My son was 17. We came back from here in 2011, and two and a half weeks later. I'll never forget this. Jay, I was driving to work when we got back. The Monday We got home on a Thursday. We went back to work Monday. Seth, work with me. Seth looked at me, and he said, Dad, he said, you know, I want to go in the Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps, if you can't tell by my hairline. Um, and he said, Dad, I want to go in the Marine Corps. And he said, if something happens to me and I die in battle, he said, would you do my funeral? I've never had him ask me that kind of question. I just kind of flippantly, Nathan said, sure, I'll do it. Two weeks later, that man back there and that young man were at my son's funeral. And that man and myself preached my son's phone going at 17 years of age. And you know what haunted me, young people? What haunted me was, and what a blessing it was the week that he passed I was preaching revival locally, and my son and I went to play golf. My son never wanted to play golf with me, but he asked me that week, can we go play golf together? I said, sure, son, let's go. And I got to play golf with my son two times that week. But can I tell you what happened about four years before he passed? I was driving out of my driveway going to preach a meeting, a, a youth camp, some, something like this in the summertime. It was about two and a half hours away, and I was going to locally commute back and forth. I got ready to pull out of the driveway, and I remember my son all day long had his ball glove and his ball, and he had my glove, and he said, Dad, let's throw some ball today. And I said, Son, I've got to wash my truck. I've got to get all this stuff together. I'm too busy. He came to me again. He said, Dad, can you throw a ball with me? I said, Son, I'm too busy. Jay, I got in my truck and I drove out the driveway. I'm on the phone with the pastor and I'm telling him I'm on my way and I look in the rearview mirror and Nathan, Seth is in the yard and he's throwing the ball up in the air to himself. You ever had a moment when God just kind of goes, boom. And God spoke to me, brother, and he said, you need to stop this truck. You need to go back. I said, pastor, can you do me a favor? I said, "Um, I'm going to be about 35 minutes late. I said, why don't you just do this? Why don't you construct the service to where y'all sing first and then you do all the preliminaries and then I'll be there. If I'm not there, you just keep singing, I'm coming. Amen. I backed my truck up, man. I put it in park. I got out and I said, son, give me my glove. And for about 20 minutes, Nathan, we threw ball. And I can promise you this, if my son could come back and stand before you today, you know what he'd say? I don't remember what I got my 14th birthday. I don't remember what I got on my 16th birthday, but I do remember the day that my dad took time to back the truck up, put it in park, and get out and throw ball with his son. See, we're so busy. We're so busy. And if you don't guard your love from bigness and busyness, you know what it'll lead to? It'll lead to a thing I'm going to talk about the next two sessions tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow morning is a thing called bitterness. Bitterness. I got a guy in my church. His name's Lucas Ganey. I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know what y'all know. I don't know if over here you know what crack cocaine is, but it's, a, it's one of the most horrendous things that's going on in the United States of America, that and heroin. Heroin addiction in Wilmington, North Carolina is up 85% in the last three years. It's unparalleled to anything we've seen. Crack cocaine. This young man, I led to Christ. He got saved from a crack pipe. God radically changed his life. He ain't perfect. He ain't completely delivered, but he's growing, amen? And he loves people. Lucas looked at me and came and I said, Lucas, you need to start reading your Bible, son. He said, where do I start? I said, start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He came to me one day and he was reading in the book of Luke. He came to me, pastor, and he said this. He said, preacher, can I ask you a question? He said, does God repeat himself a lot? I said, what do you mean? He said, everything in these books sound the same. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all are the same. I said, no, it's called the synoptic gospels. They're all accounting what they saw. They were different personalities. You know what he looked at me and said? Man, it's awesome. Didn't mean to spit on you, Jay. He said, this is awesome. Let me tell you what, Luke, Lucas has grown in the Lord in the last year more than anybody I've seen. But Lucas came to me about three months ago and he said, preacher, He said, I want you to pray for me. See, he lives with a single mother. I didn't even know his dad lived was even alive or lived around our area. And Lucas looked at me and he said, I want you to pray that God give me strength. He said, because I've got to go. I've got to go tomorrow and have lunch with a man I don't even know no more. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, my daddy. I haven't seen him in 10 years. He said, I'm going to have lunch with him and I want you to pray for me because the first thing I want to tell him... You can't produce this. When you have genuine love and the God of heavens changed your heart, you will react differently. You know what Lucas looked at me and said? I want you to pray that God give me strength because the first thing I want to tell him, I want to tell him I love him. That's a man that's got over bitterness. Some of y'all are holding on to it. Let me tell you something. Bitterness is like you drinking poison and waiting for the one you're mad at to die. How do you love? Well, number one, you love genuinely. Number two, your love better be guarded. But number three, and I'm done. Look at the last part of verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. That means run away from it. Get away from it. That's what I'm talking about. Guard your love. Abhor that which is evil. Then it says cling or cleave to that which is what? Good. So here's my outline. (laughs) Let your love be genuine let it preacher be guarded, but number three, let it be good. You say, that's so simple. Let me explain something to you. Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. But pastor, then it makes this statement, Though he fall. It didn't say if. It says though he fall. It means it's going to happen. You know what the problem is? Some of you in here, you have trusted Christ, but not His words. You believe in eternal salvation, but not the eternal love of God. You think you've got to work to make God love you. Hello? Am I speaking French? Am I making sense this morning? Stop. Listen, we don't do good works because... We do good works because we love Him, not because He loves us. Amen? It says, let your love be good. I say, preacher, what do you mean? I'm done with this. I know. I know. Y'all know what that means. It don't mean a thing. Amen? <laughs> Y'all know that means when I say I'm done, it don't mean nothing. That means i got about 10 more minutes. No, I don't. Listen, I want you to think about this. i got to leave you with this. There's a simple question you're going to answer in this next time before we go to the ring. Do you love? Listen to this. Because Job, Job Fraser lost his family, he lost his farm, he lost his finances, he lost his friends, and he even was affected in his flesh, but at the end of his life, he was able to say these words, yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Even though God has two of my children in heaven, I'm still going to serve him. Because I want my love to be not only genuine and Guarded, but I want it to be good. And my question to you dear young people today is this. Do you love God? Do you love God? Now listen to me. Do you love God for what He does? Or for just who He is? Let's pray. Father, speak, I pray to hearts. Help us to be willing to to face what we've been fighting. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to answer the question, do we love you because of what you do in our life or who you are? And my, I'm fully convinced, Lord, that when things ain't good, you still are. And I'm going to love you, and I'm going to thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.